0: This episode, I got a chance to speak with Glenda Johnson, CEO of Ascension Business Capital, and we talked about how to get banks begging to give you money. All right, I am here with Glenda Johnson, Ascension Business Capital. Thanks for hanging out today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to to be able to sit down and chat with you.
0: Uh, it's, it, is, it is my pleasure. So I wanted to do this because um, a a lot of people, you know, it, it's tough to live in a capitalistic society and not be able to access money. You know, I've met a lot of business people over over the years, and you know, when you have a successful business, you have to have successful ideas, a good team, good execution. But if you don't have money, um, then there's a big problem, right? And I think for a lot of people, you know, they think uh, they they underestimate the capital part, right? Because I've met a lot of people that were just not so smart, but they had access to capital. And so they were able to do some things. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to shed some light on, you know, how to get money from banks. A lot of folks are like intimidated or they they aren't prepared. Um, they get rejected, and and they think it's more because of their um, sex, color of their skin, or something that just has you know maybe there's some of that that goes on. But for the most part, you know, people want banks want to make money, and uh, if you can get yes. yourself to help to to make them some money, uh, and in return you make some money, then everybody wins. So so I appreciate your time. But where I want to first start is you have a pretty strong background and long background in banking, so how'd you get started in banking?
1: Wow, so thank you for having me on again. Uh, uh, My story isn't, I won't say it's uh, sexy, but it does bring a lot of um, expertise with it, and um, I'm I'm a baby boomer. I came along at the end of the baby boomer generation, so I was used to working for a company, you know, for as long as possible that shows, you know, some value about who I was in the workplace. So uh, my first couple of decades, I worked for nine years for the same company. And then I worked for seven years at the next company. Then I figured out, hey, the market's changing. So I worked for three years here, two years there, and, and back and forth until I decided to open up my own company. But I got into banking. I call it the dungeon. I worked in the dungeon. In a items processing, where we put the little codes at the bottom of your checks, those those little numbers show up some kind of way. Well, I was one of the people who who adapted industry those codes in there, and I balanced transactions for tellers and branches for several years, and we worked at night, so it was the dungeon. When we walked in, we didn't know what the weather was going to be like when we walked out, so it was oh, it was wow. like that. Yeah, so I started in the operations, uh, and I blossomed out into sales, which. I was very afraid of that. I felt like I would be a car salesman, or you know, just the worst element of sales you can imagine. I just didn't believe in that. Come to find out that over the years, I—it wasn't the selling; it was helping people. I didn't know that that—it was my superpower, and it is my superpower. I didn't know I could parlay that into something like, you know, helping a client buy, you know, a, a ten million dollar building. I didn't know that my superpower could help me in that genre. Then I just got, I got into small business part of the banking and I found my niche. I found where I loved, uh, and to the point of where when I left banking after 32 years, that is what I do for a living. Every day I get up, I love what I do.
0: Awesome. So, so let, let's help folks who, um, who don't know the difference between maybe, uh, um, the different ways where you can get money. Because there's lots of different ways to get money to finance your business. So if you don't mind, kind of walk through different ways you can get money for, for, for your business.
1: That right there is a is a super great question because uh, I see people do it in many ways. So one of the way one of the reasons one of the ways that they get money for the business, they walk away from their current job and they pull their 401k and they they finance it that way. Or they pull their retirement. Um, they borrow from friends and family and relatives that's another way they put it on their personal credit cards that's another way those or they partner with somebody and get venture capitalists they get um loan sharks almost loan sharks and they they do it that way and then the traditional way is uh saving or going to a lender and the lender gambit which is my space goes from A to Z I mean you can you can go to a traditional bank on the corner, it can be an international bank, it can be a national bank, it can be a teeny- weeny bank with one horse town, you know just one branch bank, and that's your traditional area and then there's non-traditional lenders who have, have private money, you know they've got hard money, uh, and there's just a plethora of options. so what I do sorry about that what oh. I do. is I bring my expertise in to help you traverse your way through finding the best option for you, whether it is hard money, soft money, you know, whatever. Uh, That's where my strength, um, that's what I bring to the table. And I help the client based on what their industry is, what they do for a living. Do they make things? Do they sell things? Are they starting up? Is it a mature company? Can I find security or collateral? Is there no collateral? Uh, And I find lenders who like to lend to companies based on what you do. So instead of you going to three or four banks each time, you'd speak with someone who really doesn't understand the process and you pull your credit at this bank, you go to the next one, you you go to the next one. So you're frustrating yourself uh, and also you are compromising your credit history. So, you know, when you come to me, I bring, I bridge Conventional lending, non-traditional lending, maybe maybe an SBA, but it's all based on what the client wants, what they do, how do they stand in their market as a business, and what their goals are. And I actually customize that that process and find exactly the lender that wants to do business with you.
0: There are independent banks and there are traditional banks. And you can borrow money, uh, well, independent lender and and lenders who are tied to a bank. Um, And I mean, what are the differences between the two pros and cons of, you know, going through an independent bank or going straight to the traditional bank?
1: So that's that's a great question, Philip. I think I want to clarify a little bit. So when you talk about banks, there are many banks uh, on every corner. They're small, large, community, national, international, uh, traditional, non-traditional, credit unions the whole gambit. I actually work as a consultant, and that's the that's the biggest that's the biggest different. So um, if you went to a consultant, you know they would help you walk through the process of finding the best lender. For your company your industry your field uh, that would be open to working with the project that you have in place because every clients need for the money is different Mm. so certain banks just have they're all good everybody fits a a niche market okay Um, all uh, every bank is not everything to every customer and that's that's just like it's like looking for a church if you have yeah. children, you want one with a strong church, children's ministry. Mm-hmm. If you're a guy, maybe you want, you want a pastor that's, you know, very confident in, in his gender and, or so forth and so on. So that's what banking is about. Everybody fits a need. Everybody has a box and the boxes are good. They just not, may not be for what everybody wants or needs. And so that's what a consulting, which th- that's what consulting helps you fish through find more easily, less time, less stress, and that sort of thing
0: makes sense makes sense because like i know some banks are like hey philip don't send me restaurants too. we don't really do restaurants deal mm-hmm. and this bank may say i like restaurants this bank says philip we really only want land you know real estate deals right so you and they don't like post it on the sign when you walk through right they make you like apply and figure it out but you basically will a consultant will say hey tell me about your business let me learn about it first and then i know which banks actually want to do this deal Is that Yes. Okay. Okay. Perfect.
1: Perfect analogy.
0: And, and, and so the, the other question um, is, so with your experience, what are some basic things? I know each business is different, but what are some basic things that businesses can do to make lenders want to do business with them? And let me clarify what I, what I mean, because I mean, a lot of people who tell me, hey, Philip, you know, I want to get money from the bank, but this bank denied me or this bank did this, right? And the reason is, you know, I'm black, I'm a woman, um, whatever, whatever, you know, um, uh, I didn't want to give collateral for this. or so just ex- answers that, um, like, I don't really know because I'm pretty sure that banker wanted to do that deal, you know, and the VP wanted to make that money, you of know. Of course. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, it had to be something else. So, you know, what, what are you – what do you um, do to help clients get ready? Or what are some ways where, you know, businesses can be like ready, like just basic things they can do to make sure they got their ducks in a row?
1: Well, let's just talk about that super great question, because once we get denied, you know, you're supposed to receive some letter or some piece of paper that says you were denied because, and it has, you know, a, a banking legal term, you still may not understand what that meant. But by law, they have to send that to you. But to be prepared and get your head in the game when you're going to go look for financing from a bank, there are five easy ways that you can kind of think about. If I can, if I can give uh, some attention to each one of these five areas, um, it will make you. It will make your request stronger. It will strengthen your request. The first thing that they'll want to look at is most banks they credit score. So your credit. Be honest about your credit. The only way for you to be honest about your credit is to know what your what your credit file looks like. I usually don't ask what your score is. I say, tell me about your credit. You know, give me a little narrative, three sentences about the condition of your credit. Well, they're gonna say, well, you know, it's it's good. It's not that great. You know, just be honest. It's okay. You it's a safe space here. <laughs> uh, so they'll tell me their, what they think their credit score is, and then they'll tell me. An open-ended question. Tell me about the condition of your credit. They're going to say they had a bankruptcy, or they didn't have a bankruptcy. But there was slow plays, slow pays. Maybe there was a tax lien, um, child support. You know, wh- whatever. Then I'll know. Okay, these banks are off limits. These lenders, though, they don't mind. Okay, um, and every lender is looking for the five Cs of credit. So, I means five C's, So, credit um, bureau is one. The other one is going to be cash flow. And those, that's the two main drivers of lenders. They want to know the cash flow. What does that mean? Can you pay me back? And how will that loan be paid back? Will it be paid back by the revenues and the cash flow of your, your current business? Or if you're starting up or you've only been in business a couple of years, will your household revenue be able to pay us back? So they'll look at the source of the cash flow. So credit, cash flow, then the next biggest driver is collateral. Is it a building that we're gonna collateralize this? Is it a piece of equipment? Is it a a company vehicle? Um, Is it all the widgets that you're you're gonna be making, your inventory or something of that nature? So they'll be looking about how can we securitize, how can we collateralize your loan request? If you decide that something happens, say you might break your leg, you may divorce your spouse, you and your partner may break up, anything can happen. So how do I get my money back? How do I liquidate and get some of my money back? That's the third thing. Then the other thing is character. And character is, um, well, they will look at your credit, but they'll look at what do they know about your business? What's out there in the news? Is there something out there in social media? When they pull up the owner's, uh does their personal page look like something you don't want to know about <laughs> okay um uh, and also they'll look to see uh did you pay your last people back do you have um people filing liens against your company because you didn't you know you didn't fulfill your contract so they'll look at character and finally they'll look at conditions conditions just means um well, let's, let's just say something everybody knows is in the news. If you were on the East Coast, coal is, uh, is, is big right now, right? Coal, the whole idea, the topic of coal. Well, most people are probably not financing people dealing with the coal industry because that's kind of up and down right now. Um, it, right now, there's going to be renewable energy sources and clean, clean sources that coal is going to suffer a bit. So the conditions, that's the number, the five C's, Right there if you could get your arms around those five topics and you get ready to go see your um, lender and have those under control you know you know you know what the condition is and you can speak to it you know I have an answer for that I have a reason why maybe this wasn't as great but this year it's gonna be great so being able to speak to that knowing it takes you a long way will it get you approved uh, maybe Uh, because you would have to have answers for anything that's a little rocky, uh, but it will certainly get, get you noticed. And if it's a good banker, a good lender, they'll say, hey, I can't get you this money today, but if you can last nine months or 10 months, let's work on this particular area, and when we go back and look at it again, I'm pretty sure we'll get you there. So working in tandem with your lender, but knowing those five C's got it and and
0: and there's one other distinction that that i think you can speak on too that i think is important for people to know because a lot of people a lot of people think maybe confuse bankers with um angel investors or venture capital you know where they're they're like well hey you know you should maybe invest on my idea or me and i'm always like yeah but they're like bankers they're not interested in if they're going to get their money back they're like I want to get my money back. It's a different mindset. You know, uh, venture capital is like, Hey, it's equity. You know, we'll win some, we'll lose one, some bankers. Like, like, I don't want to go into business with you. I'm just giving you some money. You need to give it back to me because it's not mine in the first place. Right. And that, can you speak more to that? Mindset? Sure,
1: Sure. So when you talk about lenders, that's debt financing, right? And so the risk is on them. The risk is on the lender. They're taking a risk, and they're trying to mitigate their risks as best as they can based on the answers that you give them, based on those five Cs, uh, because they, they want to know if something goes wrong and you cannot pay, how do I get made whole? That's the only thing that they really care about, okay? When you look at angel investors and venture capitalists, the risk is on you, because most of them are going to say, Well, some of them may say, I don't want to take ownership of your company, but most of many of them are going to take some ownership of your company. You're going to have to peel off 20%, 15%, 5%, whatever for, um, and then they're going to be in your business. So because that, what risk then do they have if they don't, if you don't perform as agreed, some of them want to give you advice. Some of them want to be a little bit more present. Um, and if you feel like you need that infusion that badly, you may say, okay. Okay. So, uh, and then there, and then there, of course there are angel investors. Some of them don't want to have ownership, but no one does it for free. I mean, there's no one's going to give away, give, give it away for nothing. So you have to determine, are you strong enough to give away part of your company to have them inject something, some ownership and, um, I mean that's that's a big that's a big step. They're, they do them all the time. I, I know a client who I've referred to uh, um, to an angel investor uh, to a guy. He, he's a, he's a, he's an attorney and he helps them find the angel investors and then he crafts the legalese to protect them the two, the two parties. Hmm. Um, but to get to that point. Most people who have great ideas, they they go do that. But if you have a current business, and it really it really touches me, this guy owns a dry cleaners. Um, it's not doing that well. Probably his lender will call his loan due in sometime this year. Mm. And if he can't turn it around, you're gonna you may lose your business. So giving somebody 25% to infuse some money may be the only option you have to keep your dream alive. Now, you have to be willing to change your approaches, change some things if you wanna keep that alive and and have it thrive.
0: So you have something interesting too that that people may have, you know, may miss out on is the terms of the loan, right? So how many loans have a callable provision, you know, before the the loan payment is due? And is that case by case?
1: Oh, uh, give me your question again.
0: So how, how many business loans have, a, I'm using the slang term, but callable provision, the provision where they can call the loan before the payment term is up. So meaning if you got a loan where you you're paying for 15 years, I know some people who may not read the docs and say, hey, but they can call this note like any time. They can basically say, pay me all my money, you know, after a year if they want to. How many how many loans are done that way?
1: That that is a great question. They mm-hmm. all have callable uh, callable provisions, covenants in there where there it's callable. Typically, they don't want they don't want to call it because they're making their money off of the interest. Mm-hmm. The only time that they will likely call it is if you are not operating as agreed, and if you stop operating as agreed, like you're current, often you're late, or there are covenants within the body of it. The covenants would look something like this. You have to maintain a cash flow uh, formally of 1.25, you know, debt serv- servicing. You have to not have um, more le- more leverage than three times. You have to keep a certain liquidity of X. Your retained earnings must be blah. So they look at that every year. And if you, if you are not keeping those covenants, they could call your loan due.
0: And I could mess somebody's world up.
1: Yeah. They send it to a place called, um, they send it to, I call it workout loans. That's all it is. They're going to work. They're going to try to work you work the loan into a better position, or they're going to work the loan out. Then that means that you'll have to go and find someone to take out that loan because they would like for you to leave their, their institution.
0: Mm. (laughs) How, How much time do they normally give somebody to work it out?
1: Um, usually maybe, uh, you know, if they can keep you, when you take it to a workout loan department, they'll look at your financials either every quarter or every month because nobody wants a loan to go bad. They want you to improve because if you improve, that means your company is doing better. Mm. So it, it, some people, you know, they get offended. It does feel punitive, but it is to it's going to strengthen your company. Your company is being made healthy. Um, So uh, it could be about a year. They'll work with you probably a good year. And then they're going to ask you to move it. Hmm. And if you don't move it, they'll call it due. And you will be, you, you'll you lose your business.
0: Yeah. 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 What, what are some of the biggest um, mistakes that you see people um, do when they're trying to get money from a bank?
1: Oh, okay. When they're starting up, like we're both entrepreneurs, right? When they're starting up, um, if you're going to actually start up, start your company. Go get a line of credit. Um, I know I'll talk about that a little bit, but go get a line of credit before you actually leave your employment. Mm. Yes, um, and then if then once you leave, if you want to pull your 401k out or something, that's up to you. But if you do, if you get your financing in place first, then you can leave and you can breathe while you're building because there's nothing. Uh, nothing is guaranteed. So I don't care if you have the best laid plans, your prospectus looks great, you know, your projections look great. Those are just projections. You don't know if people will just take off with your business and love you so much that they'll, you know, you make the best widget around, you know. So um, that that is usually a, a false number. They quit, then they try to go find a loan. Well, you have no money coming in. You don't have any way to support it. So I would probably say, you know, get it, get a good idea of how much it will cost you for the next year to run your company, live, pay your mortgage, your car payment, your kids, schools or whatever, get that idea in your head and then go out and do a couple of things. Hey, you could do a home equity line of credit. If you have equity, you can go out and get a personal line of credit with the bank. Use that walk away. If you want to use your 401k, you could, you could, you could do that. I don't know if you hear some hear a noise.
0: that. I can hear it in the background of yours. Uh, I can't. It's, it's yes. In the, I can hear it in your background. Like I thought of some speakers in your background.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Hold on. I'm gonna cut off everything. Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, I can hear you now.
1: Okay. Well, right. I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. <laughs> Okay, so that would be the first thing. They leave their, their good employment before they can actually um, before they can actually um, have, have some sustainability. Mm-hmm. because the lenders are going to look not forward, they'll look back. They'll look at historical numbers. Okay, so you got a great job. You make $250,000 a year. Uh, you know your wife has a part time job. Um, you can make you can meet all your obligations sure I'll give you a $50,000 personal line of credit okay sure um, I will give you home equity you got a hundred thousand two hundred fifty thousand home equity uh, I'll give you 175 so you get all that while you can obviously qualify for it leave and then kill it kill your first year just go out there and just make it happen once you do that, you then show that you um, you made a loan to your company. Your company took a loan from its owner and then you make the business numbers look right. I mean, it's, it's it's very simple, but usually they walk out before they have their financing and now they don't have a job and they are looking to find financing and the lenders will. That's the first thing. The second thing I think that existing business owners do, they don't plan to show a profit, hey, they they know they're going to need a piece of equipment in uh, the next year or two years from now. They're going to need to have a brand new widget maker, okay? And that widget maker costs a hundred thousand dollars. They bought a new, they bought an old one, you know, and it doesn't have much life expectancy. But it got them through. Now they need a new widget maker. It costs a hundred thousand dollars. But they also don't want to. They also want to minimize their taxes. So they decide to show everything as a loss. They don't make a profit, they make a loss. So when the lenders look at it, they say, well, you're already beyond zero. You're already at a negative. There is no there's no money to add a debt to it. So if you know you're going to need a building, you know in two, 24 months you've gotta buy a brand new widget maker, uh, then go ahead, show your profits, pay the taxes on the profits, And then the lender will say, "Oh, great! You have money to spend. Yes, we'll give you that loan." That's the big. That's the two biggest that I see, and the third biggest would be um, high earners like doctors, dentists, lawyers, CPAs, wealth managers, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) high 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 wage earners. Um, They live like everybody else. If I make $250,000 $250,000 a year, it's my money, I wanna spend it. The lenders want you to keep some retained earnings in the business, okay? If you're a doctor, more than likely, they don't keep returning earnings because I made that money, I wanna buy, I wanna spend it. And so, that is number three. If, if it doesn't look like there's like money in the business, uh, because everything I made, I took it, put it on my W, um, on my 1040, and I'm living off of that. I don't have to have that new Bugatti. I don't have to have that whatever, but I'm going to do it because, hey, I earned it. I work hard and I, I'm going to spend it. So lenders like to see some retained earnings. Go ahead and understand that. That's mm-hmm. They like to see that. But again, it's about your goals. If you don't think you're going to ever need a loan, then you know, spend your money, mitigate your taxes, take the loss and you're good. But if you know that you're going to have to buy a piece of equipment, expand the business, buy a new practice, go ahead and, and 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 do it that way. Those are the top 3.
0: Do 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 some foresight. And this and this may be super basic, but maybe maybe it might be worth explaining you know why let's say somebody you know has 300 grand sitting, you know, 300 grand sitting in the bank and they're thinking, "Hey, it costs me 150 to start my business." Why not just spend all 150 instead of borrowing um, from the, you know, borrowing from a lender uh, to start my business?
1: Well, okay, I'm from I'm from old school, and the old school says cash is king. Never get rid of your money. Always use the bank's money if you can, because at some point, systems, uh, circumstances will change. You didn't see it coming. You got a divorce you broke your leg, somebody got sick, your industry failed, whatever it is, and now you've thrown all your cash into something where, you know, the lender could have had, you know, the lender could have had that. So, always keep cash as king. Try to do that. At the very least, before I wrote a check into something like that, I would just simply say, hey, Mr. Lender, if you can't give me a loan fairly unsecured, can I take half of my $300,000 take the 150 and you put a CD secured loan against it because I know I'm going to pay it back. And then when I'm done, plus the interest rate is small, there's no closing costs. It's very cheap. Um, you'll probably net about 2%. It costs you 2% to get that loan. And when you're done with that two-year note or one-year note, I still have my money. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to look at it. The your Your first response, most businesses are like, it's my money. I don't, why would I put a loan against my own money? Because you're going to manage it better that way. If that's your only other option, I would just ask the bank, put a loan on my CD and I'll pay it back. And when I'm done, I still have my money. So it's, it makes sense to the lender, but sometimes the the borrower doesn't get the beauty of that simple loan. It's really helping you in the end.
0: Well and, and just a simple thing of capitalism is using other people's money, right? You know, yes. for example, if you if you run the math and you say, Hey, you know, my business will earn me whatever, fifteen percent a year on money invested and I can you know get the bank's money at two, right, then I get to earn that's that spread, right? You know, I get to I get to use their money to earn the fifteen percent. And not lose earning interest on my money, right? You know, absolutely. Um, and so, no, no, I, um, uh, that was a great way to great way to answer it. What are what? Are, so, um, I'm going to go to the questions that I ask everybody. But before I go there, are there any other good, helpful tips or things that you think you should share with um, you know business owners looking to expand their business? And, and let me let me preface it with one more thing, because again, I just think that there are so many. Um, so many people out there that don't have the knowledge and maybe could have bigger businesses or be more successful that, that just don't know, like, don't even know what to ask, you know? Um, and so anything that you could think of that people just don't ask or don't know that you think hurts them.
1: So uh, I, I love that question. I'll try to make sure I'll make a brief. The first thing I would say as a borrower, you need money from the bank as a borrower, Your borrower, whether they're a brand new banker uh, or they're seasoned, they're interviewing you, right? The bank is interviewing you to see if, you know, you're going to be credit worthy or lendable. You need to interview that banker. You need to say, Bob, have you done any loans in my industry? If they say yes, how many? What size were they? Can you tell me about the last deal you did? How long have you been doing what you are doing? You know, give me an idea of uh, the best deal you did. You know, maybe one that that caused you some problems and do a lot of work. Tell me about that. That's what you need to ask Bob because Bob probably, if you walked in the door and they said, oh, just see here, Bob will help you. Bob probably doesn't have a lot of expertise in what you need. So you need to interview us. Number one. Um, and I think number two, the biggest, the biggest thing or, or number two is really knowing your company. If they ask you what you made last year and you can't tell them they can, you can't tell them your gross revenues, you can't tell them the bottom line. The bottom line is that you make a profit or you took a loss. What was it? It's not hard. It's just real basic. If you don't know your numbers, they may not ask you what's your break even, but they, you need to know your business. Like how much does it actually cost you to make that widget? If you can't tell them those kind of things, what's the market value of your widget and who are your competitors? If you don't know those things, those are real basic. They know that you don't know your industry and that's gonna make you less attractive to a lender, okay? That's on you. No one has to teach you how to do that. That's something that you should, should as a business owner, know. And then number three is you got to have a dream team, and your dream team has to be yes, your banker, your lender. I want to be on that team, um, but it needs to be a CPA. You got to have a CPA. You can pick up the phone and call. Um, they need to know your industry. If you're a widget maker, they can't just be your cousin Ralph that's doing your bookkeeping. They they need to know your industry. <laughs> Um, that's if you're serious about what your field, you need to have an attorney. If you are a dentist and you're buying practices, then you need to have an attorney that understands buy and sell agreements in the dental field. You know, they need to know what that looks like to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sign a lease agreement with this, you know, with this, with this person. And they need to know what that looks like. Because if you lose your lease and you're a dentist, all your equipment, it's stuck in there, you can't get it. So, you need to have a CPA, you need to have uh, a business attorney that understands your field. Of course, an insurance agent that helps you, you know, to say, okay, you on the on your building or your equipment or, or whatever it is key man insurance. You need to have someone like that, and you need to have a wealth advisor, especially people who are, are actually in that arena. Um, because yeah, you need to make your money be working for you while, while you're on working in the field that you love. Um, how do you diversify? How do you capitalize? You need to have that person along with your lender. Um, and you need to have that dream team. And they all need to be kind of talking to each other. Case in point, I have a client that um, I think at last point, he was making $12 million a year. When I met him, he was making about four. So he would increase on a clip of about two to three every year. Well, we didn't talk in a couple of years and he wanted to get some working capital because his business was really growing and you need more working capital, the larger and the more quickly that you're growing. Well, I didn't know, but he had taken a lot of the revenue from his company that he was making and, um, and investing in a project in India. He couldn't get financed financing for it's a great project. I, I wish I could have done it. It's a great project in India but he used the revenues, the net profits from his business to fund and finish and complete that project. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but there was no value in the company. He had no net earnings. He didn't live high on the hog. He had like a $400,000 house, um, a few fancy cars, not that really many for a, a company that makes $12 million a year. Right, he took right. a modest salary. You know, I think he made 180 and his wife made 160. Hey, you guys are are very, very, you're minimalist pretty much, right? Um, but he couldn't get the loan because he didn't tell his CPA what he was doing. He didn't tell his lender what he was doing. So when it was time to make this big loan that he needed, he could not qualify. It had nothing to do with his credit, had nothing to do with his industry. He just didn't talk to us. Had we known, I would have said, stop what you're doing. Just leave that alone for right now. Show some profits for like the next, at least this year. And boom, he would have been able to get that. So that communication level is so important. And talking to the parties, we're, we're like your team. We want you to win. But if we don't know what's going on, like we can't help you. Yeah.
0: No, makes sense, it makes sense. The, the deal team.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Deal, deal team six, not like, <laughs> not like, team, deal, deal team six. All right. Yeah. So here's five questions I'm going to start asking every, every guest. Uh, All right. And so uh, if you could travel in time and tell your 22-year-old self one thing, what would that be?
1: That, that your superpower that you have is really going to serve you well. I didn't, I shied away from finance. That was something I would never want to be in finance. Um, but I didn't know that my superpower, which is helping people, Truly helping people, solving issues, that sort of thing. Um, I would have recognized it more uh, and and um, gotten better at it uh, as 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 I went on. I didn't even recognize that that was my superpower. So my 22 year old self, I would have just pummeled right in there, like, "How can I help you? What can I do for you?" Mm-hmm. That's my superpower, and that's why people continue to come back to me and say, "Man, she adds so much extra stuff in what she's doing. Yeah, I'll I'll get her. Yeah."
0: Okay. What are your top three favorite brands? It can be like any brands, but like, what are your top three favorite brands?
1: <laughs> okay, my top three favorite brands. my My top favorite brand of a car is Alexis. I've had mm-hmm. Alexis since 1996. I keep mm-hmm. coming back. It's a great car. Um, my top. Um, uh. <laughs> my top favorite. Okay, this is funny. My top favorite brand of, of, of peas, purple hull peas, is Bush's brand. It, it reminds me of my mom's cooking. It's, it's okay. really great. It's really great.
0: Bush's, okay.
1: Bush's, purple hulled peas. Um, my mom was born and raised in the country, and that was one of her favorite dishes. I loved it. Uh, my top favorite brand, um, yeah, here we go. Oh, okay. My top favorite brand of shoe is Michael Kors. Michael I have Kors. boots and shoes and, and purses. That's mm-hmm. that's my favorite go-to. Yeah.
0: Okay. What do you watch, read, or listen to to get your news and information?
1: NPR. That's okay. it. NPR. I, I, I do um, check in with the cable news stations every now and again, but you can find that on Facebook or whatever and just kind of uh, dally about, see what the extremes say, then kind of come in the middle. But NPR is my favorite go-to for
0: news. And, in, and NPR is that like is that on radio or podcast form?
1: NPR radio. It's uh, National Public Radio, so it's nonpartisan.
0: Okay. Uh, what do you watch for entertainment?
1: <laughs> sitcoms.
0: Sitcoms. Like like some want some like some some channels, some specific sitcoms.
1: Okay. I'm um, I I do have a real high nerd factor. Okay. okay. So I'll watch stuff like uh, the Big Bang Theory. Okay. Um, you know things like that. But then I have my '90s lifestyle, so I will watch Living Single and Martin. After I've watched In Different Worlds, I can watch them over and over and over. That's my really downtime when I just want to just veg out. But something smart like, um, like um, Big Bang Theory. I like watching smart comedy.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one is top three books you've read like all time or just lately?
1: Uh, Love and Respect is a relationship book that talks about men and women, um, that women gravitate because they want love and men want respect. So if they could give each other what they needed, people could be, they could be not just satisfied, but enriched in relationship dynamics. And then the other one is the shack and a movie was made out about it. Oh, a couple of years ago. Uh, But the shack talks about when you question um, devastating life's issues, how do you question that? And um, something happens in this man's life. That's absolutely devastating. And he, he goes on a, fishing trip and he's in this frozen uh this old shack and he's trying to stay warm and he meets god and they have this this interaction so the shack really helped me through a tough time i lost my husband about 10 years ago to Lou Gehrig's disease Mm. and uh and the shack was just really helpful because you know how do you make sense of something that's you know you don't think is right fair you know Right. How, why so it it was really a great book and i I recommend both of those okay
0: okay um those are the oh uh any other books three but two is fine those are two good ones
1: yeah you those are two good ones um
0: okay. you don't have to do three i just want i just want i'm, I'm looking for some good books so I've, uh, and I've read love and respect. I actually have it behind me somewhere. Oh wow! Um, okay. And then the shack. I hadn't read it, but I know it caused controversy around all them races because it was a black female guy. Um, that's a whole com- another conversation. But uh, but but no, I, I appreciate um, you coming on. This has been like really useful, really helpful information. These were like all questions that I wanted to know. That's the cool part about the podcast. Is <laughs> I get to ask questions that I that I want to know. And, well, uh, I love yeah. your
1: podcast. I love what you're doing, and I really appreciate being a guest. Um, it, it's amazing. I, I enjoy sharing, as you can know. I'm a little bit of a chatty Kathy, but thank you for indulging me in that.
0: Hey, no, I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you, thank you. I'll link up all your information in in the notes so everybody can have it. Fantastic.